This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 256 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, hi. Philip. How hi, are you? I, I almost <laughs> forgot to say hi. And I know, I, I could feel that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> how <laughs> so you doing? Thanks for jumping in. No problem. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm good. Um, I haven't had such an exciting week that you've had. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit. What's what? What was happening in Kentucky this week? We've been talking about it. You know, preparing for it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about it, and and our show is going to be a little bit about what happened here at Rolex over the weekend. We have two wonderful guests, uh, Jen O'Neill, who's head trainer at Annabellum Farm. Uh, She is a, a wonderful event rider, advanced event rider, and she's gonna recap Rolex a little for us and also give us a tip on picking thoroughbreds off the track and and some of the challenges that she has uh, showing them. And then we also have one of our listeners I met at the listener meetup with Glenn and Jennifer. How was the listener meetup, Reese? Oh, it's awesome. We had several listeners. I didn't get to go and... And yeah, you didn't get you to come with us, but it, Glenn and Jennifer are great, and they came for a barbecue uh, on Friday night, and then we met up uh, Saturday morning with our listeners, and that was great. We had about about 30 people, uh, so that was a lot of fun, and got to meet some dressage ladies that were there. Um, did you go and course then, walk? Did you course walk? I please? did. Yeah. I did. I course walked with uh, Caitlin, who will talk to it also. She is a blogger from Sidelines Magazine. And uh, she is a listener of the of the dressage radio show as well. So I got to spend some some really good time with her, and and we did. We really enjoyed uh, the course. It was a beautiful, like perfect day here. Started a little cool with like a you know I needed a fleece, and then it went moved to just a beautiful afternoon, and it was great. It was one of my favorite Rolexes. Um, I didn't really have any official duties, which is kind of nice sometimes. Out. Yeah, last year I did the test ride, uh, so there was definitely pressure there. And um, and then the year before I had coached someone. So uh, this year I got to really just relax and spend some time with friends and sponsors. And uh, it was just a really fun weekend. So now, now uh, you've you've been talking up the shopping for a couple oh, of weeks. <laughs> Tell me how was it? What what was there? Uh, what did you see? What did you buy? My bank account. Has never <laughs> it suffer? It's gonna take a little time to recover. I'm taking every lesson that wants a lesson this week. No, um, I hope time. so. Yeah, I'm working overtime to. Uh, well, you know, I didn't find any amazing deals, uh, but I enjoyed the Steuben tent. Always, they have great. I got Winnie a new halter. Uh, she needed. Oh, yeah, it it does have a little bling on it. Halters, yeah. I should probably take a picture of it and put it on the Facebook page, but I did buy Winnie a new halter. Um, I found some great socks that are fabulous. Um, what else did I find? Um, I did buy a new pair of uh, custom boots. I was planning on that. Um, I, I like that there, there's a company from Ecuador, and they have really good boots that are very reasonably priced, and they're custom. So for me, fortunately, I am not a stock boot size at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so okay. that was sounds fun. pretty good. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and I saw, got Excellent. to see the guys from Thin Line, so uh, really a good weekend. So enjoyed it a lot. We missed you, Philip, and 
we are actually recording early um, because we have the Oaks and Derby this weekend. Yeah, and another uh, crazy weekend. Yeah. Another crazy weekend in Kentucky. <laughs> this is, these are our, our highlight two weeks. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. It doesn't look like the weather. Like we're going to cross our fingers. And stuff, so maybe yeah. you guys are the same, but. Might be, a mu- might be a mutter for the Derby. It may be a mutter. So um, <laughs> we're, so we're recording early uh, and, and we're sad Philip and Meredith aren't coming this year, but next year it happens every year. And um, so we are, we're going to do that on Friday and uh, Glenn and Jennifer have asked me to be on the morning show. Uh, so I can, <laughs> we'll be already having fun, I'm sure. So I'll have to, to partake lightly in all the morning fun until I finish with the radio show. So, uh, so it should be a really fun weekend. This is, this is just a great two weeks in Kentucky. So if anybody ever wants to come or get information, let me know because this is sort of our highlight time. Yeah, so. send us a question on the, on, on the Facebook page for the radio yeah. show and Reese can... Reese can look on there and, and get to you, or or we'll we'll talk about it on the show. You know, let everybody yeah. know what's how you know how to go down, where to go, what to do. Exactly. Yeah, we'd love to. So, so it's, it's, there's it's, been a little bit of other stuff going on in the world. Can you let us know a little bit? Uh, Delmar Three Star CDI went on. Who's our winner? Oh, so our winner is Stefan Peters and Legolas, which is awesome. It's a great WEG selection um, trial. I'm sure it was a selection, actually. Um, and so for the Grand Prix Saturday night, but Young Ebling, also in his Olympic mare, uh, scored a personal best by 1.75% off the lead. So it was a great weekend at Del Mar as well. So it's good that, uh, it's good that somebody's pushing Stefan Peters and Legolas yes. to to perform every show and that, you know to to do his best every time and and I'm sure uh well we don't get to see the California riders that much, you know. They don't they don't right. really go to Florida and stuff, but lots of great riders and horses out there doing really well. Exactly. And to talk about another American, we want to talk about uh Arlene Page and Alina were fifth at Hagen CDI 4 star posting a personal best and the first time above 70 percent so congratulations yeah, to that's uh, great congratulations to toonie yeah. uh they, she's a wonderful lady does a lot for the sport and she's actually a phenomenal rider so really excited for her that she did so well with her mare alina who's a lovely lovely horse so we wish them luck and fingers crossed as our all of our riders are getting ready for weg it's really a fun time for sure awesome Awesome. So yeah. I think after this commercial, we'll get to we'll get to the show and uh, and who do we have? So Philip, we're going to start our night off with um, Caitlin Christofferson. She is a blogger for Sidelines Magazine, and she is uh, blogs about the hopeful amateur. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859 
951-2022, or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Well, it is our pleasure this evening to have Caitlin Christofferson. She is an amateur equestrian and blogger for Sidelines Magazine. And I met her this weekend at the listener meetup at Rolex. And she is a fan of our show. I love it. Welcome, Caitlin. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. It's fun to get people on who like the show. We have yet to get somebody on who doesn't like the show. That's who you can do that, Philip. When you can do that when I'm not on. Yeah, it's it's po- <laughs> positive affirmation or something, right? <laughs> we like to have friends, but I love it. So, Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I grew up um, in Texas, and I was just always kind of horse crazy from the beginning. Um, and my parents don't really know where I got it from because I grew up in about as unhorsey of a family <laughs> as you can get. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, from it's a defective gene. It's a defective yes, gene. Yes, I, I, yeah, I, I think so. Um, because I just, I mean, I, I really, I don't even remember. I just. Um, it, it, I don't know. It just, ever since I was a little girl, you know, three or four, I just started drawing pictures of horses and writing stories about horses. And, um, and so finally I got my first horse when I was 11. Um, and I just kind of came up, um, through 4-H. Um, I pretty much did the Western thing living in Texas. Um, and then I ended up taking a, a break, um, just for, you know, financial and personal reasons, um, throughout high school and in college. Um, but I knew that horses were something that I would have back in my life eventually. Um, and then I graduated in May of 2012 and I had also happened to start dating, um, uh, a guy who was from a very horsey um, Lexington family. So I moved to Lexington after I graduated from college in New Orleans. And, um, yeah, I just decided, you know, if I'm going to be in Lexington, I'm going to get involved. So I started taking English lessons. Um, it was something, you know, jumping and um, all of that was something I had always been interested in as a kid. We just didn't have a lot of it in my area. Um so, you know, I started taking the lessons and then we moved to Alabama for a year. Um, so my boyfriend had trained to become a Blackhawk pilot and they ended up having an equestrian center on the army post. So I leased a horse. Um, he was a Appaloosa thoroughbred cross and I called him Bentley and we just kind of learned together. Um, and so now I'm back in Lexington, and I am riding out at my boyfriend's family's farm, riding Louie. He's a retired eventer. And so, yeah, I just, um, you know, eventually I hope to be back um, in the show ring. The sooner the better. I've always loved competing, no matter what it is. Um you know, jumping, dressage, western, barrel racing. I did that when I was a kid. I'm just kind of all over the place. I just love it. I can't decide one place just to kind of stay um, because I kind of love many different disciplines. So, yeah. What would you say is now is now your main discipline slash focus of training? What, 
Um, well, I mean, it's definitely English writing. I haven't written Western in a while. Um, but as far as English, you know, it would have to be kind of like the low-level eventers just because I really enjoy the way that with the low-level eventers or the eventers, you know, all together, you can focus, you can do the different things. Um, you know, they've got the dressage, which is obviously um, – you get to be real pretty and proper and, you know, do things like that. And then the cross country, it's kind of just like you're running out in the field, you know, sim- it kind of simulates fox hunting, um, which there's a lot of in this area. My boyfriend's family absolutely loves to do. Um, so, and that's just kind of, I think it's like a fun test for you and your horse to be on this kind of like, you know, six, seven minute journey. It's just, you and your horse running, getting through the obstacles. And then there's the show jumping, um, which I think show jumping is awesome. I absolutely love to watch um, the Grand Prix riders do show jumping. So it's it's just nice because it lets you combine so much. Like I said, I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> I just, I can't choose just one thing. And so eventing lets me, you know, combine that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's what's so fun about eventing is that you can do all three disciplines and and work so hard at all three. And I think that's amazing. So tell us, us how did you get involved with Sidelines and start your blog, The Hopeful Amateur? Well, okay. So um, I had been doing this process of getting back into the horse world and um, starting to ride again. And I just had a lot of, like, funny instances where, I mean, they weren't necessarily funny at the time because I just kind of was, like, cringing because I would just ask, like, silly questions or do silly things where it's like, okay, if you're a horse person, you should know this or you shouldn't be doing this. I just felt like such a novice. And and so, but I would look back on these experiences and I was able to laugh at them. Um, so I kind of just started writing about them and I thought, well, someday I might, you know, maybe at first I just let my family read um, these things and stuff. And then I saw that um, Sidelines would um, feature your blog for you. So I contacted the editor and I said, you know, I am a, I'm a young amateur. I'm trying to figure out um, how to begin a career, how to, you know, have a long-term serious relationship, how to get back into the horse world how to afford it, just all of these different things. And I just said, I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to, um, whether they're a young amateur, you know, um, somebody who is just starting um, and has never ridden before, or, you know, they rode as a child and now they're getting back into it. Um, And I certainly have found that it has been something very relatable. I have a lot of people tell me that they can understand the experiences, which I'm glad that I'm not the only one who has them. Um, You know, for example, one of my first times um, going on a ride with my boyfriend's sister, I um I put the thin line pad on under the saddle pad and and she was just so nice about it you know like oh no just you know just learning experiences um so I just decided you know I might as well um of course I would love to think of myself as some amazing Grand Prix rider you know who could show at Rolex or you know do whatever but um 
but I'm not, and I just kind of have to, you know, own it for what I am. I'm I'm an amateur. I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I am nowhere, you know, near a a perfect writer. Um, I just do the best I can, and and that's just what I wanted to share with people. Are there any uh, kind of unexpected positives that came out of writing the blog that you could talk to us about? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I would have to say, you know, one of the biggest ones um, would be that writing the blog has eventually allowed me to um, begin writing uh, print stories. I have my first print story coming out um, inside Lines' June issue. And um, so, you know, just that was something I was an English major in college. Um, so it really kind of that allows me to do what I love, um, which is writing and journalism. Um, and then the other thing would be um, <laughs> this weekend at Rolex, you know, I, I was able to get media passes, which was absolutely an amazing experience just to be in the middle of all of that Um on, on one of my Rolex blogs, I just kind of put, you know, I would never have thought that they would have, you know, granted me media access just because I, I mean, I'm an amateur writer and, and an amateur blogger, really, and, and I wouldn't think that, you know, they would consider me an important part of the press, but I'm certainly, I was honored to be there, and it was just an amazing experience, you know, to go on the course walk with Derek DeGrazia and um, on cross country and then show jumping with Richard Jeffrey and then, you know, the press conferences every day with the top three writers. It was, it was absolutely um, a, an amazing experience. So those, those are some of definitely the positives that have come out of the blog. Well, I think it's great. And I think you bring up just a great point. You're in, you're in a tough stage in life because you're not really, you know, you're moving around. Um, Josh is in the military, so you're all over the place with him and you're not <laughs> able to really, you know, it's really hard to, you know, even, even get a horse to, to be, cause you're not quite at that point in your life. So I love, yeah. you know, I'm looking through your blog now and, and it's great cause you talk about all the horses that you ride and, you know, at the end of the day, that's such great experiences that you'll take as you, as you move forward in your career. So I love it. And I think you bring up so many really important parts to, uh, to, to life with horses. And that is, you know, life changes and, and Philip and I are, are, are the most stable in the sense of this is what we do for a living. And, um, but it is very hard, you know, as you, as you go through life and, and you, uh, you know, get married, have children, et cetera, et cetera, you know, your life changes. And I think you address that really, really well in the blog. And I think, um, I just, I, I think it was just a story that really grabbed me. And I said, you know, a lot of our listeners go through these challenges um, and certainly for Philip and I too, there are challenges for trainers when it comes to, you know, having spouses with, with other, uh, well, Meredith rides, but my, my husband does not ride. And, and, and there's a lot of challenges with owning horses. They're expensive, they're time consuming. Um, so I think you address that in, in a, in a really, really fun way. And, and that's why I wanted to <laughs> bring your story to all of our, to all of our listeners. So yeah. how can, how can our listeners find the blog? Um, so they can go to sidelinesnews.com forward slash blogs forward slash the hopeful amateur. 
And I, um, yeah, that's how they can read my blogs. And, you know, just to kind of touch on what you were saying, um, Reese, it's definitely, uh, you know, horses are such an interesting, whether you're in the horse profession or it's a hobby, it's not like a lot of other things. Um, Our horses, you know, are not bicycles or dirt bikes or motorcycles that we can just kind of store behind our house and not look at for a couple of months and then come back to them. Um, they require so much time and so much money. And But it, it's kind of like if you have the horse bug, you can't really imagine, um, you know, your life without it. So you you have to find some way to to work that in there, and it's just you know certainly for anybody, whether you're a professional or an amateur, there are just challenges uh, to working with these magnificent animals. But um, it's you know it's a challenge that we we take on gladly to to do what we do. So, Caitlin, maybe you can talk to our listeners a little bit about what what you try and focus on in your blog, or what's unique about about your blog, just to bring people to to reading about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know about your perspective maybe you can talk a little bit about that um well i think i i do have a bit of uh advantage because i am um writing has just been something uh writing as far as you know journalistic um whether it's fiction or nonfiction has just always kind of been a gift of mine um so that was another reason that i kind of wanted to incorporate as far as blogging you know, my hobby of horses into sharing it with people. Um, I kind of focus on, you know, I have a really unique um, opportunity being located in Lexington just because there are so many horse-related um, events that go on that you don't necessarily get in other cities. So, you know, whether there's a Grand Prix going out on at the horse park or, you know, Keeneland, um, fox hunting, anything like that. I mean, I am afforded so many amazing experiences um, that I just, I just want to share it with other people, and I, and I want other people to find ways um, in their communities that they can get involved too as a hopeful amateur. Because I really think that amateurs are a very important part of the sport, um, and at the end of the day, it's. Um, you know, it's a it's a group of people that that need to be focused on. Um, just yeah, because so, I mean, you know, for, sur- for sure, it's yeah. the backbone, and the cr- they have the mo- the most numbers. You know, that's absolutely yeah. That's, you I know, mean, that's and, why and we do just, this show. You know, yeah, exactly. Friendly, <laughs> hopefully, exactly. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about your Rolex experience. It was the first time for you at Rolex. This yes. was actually my second time. Um, I had previously been there in 2012 um, when William Fox Pitt won his second Rolex title. And, yeah, so this was my third time. But Maybe the you're first good time luck for him. Maybe you're good media. luck for him. Can you tell him about that, right? <laughs> Yes. Maybe, yeah, I know. Maybe he should give me his third Rolex watch. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. But maybe for people who are thinking, you know, I'd really like to go next year. What You know, when when did you arrive? Yeah. What did you do? What What's there to yeah. see? Yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, I actually, I went out on Wednesday, the day before competition, just to kind of, you know, get a feel for where everything was. Um, because, you know, just be prepared. If you come to Rolex, it's a lot of walking. Um, everything, especially on cross country day is spread out all over the park. Um, and the trade fair is enormous. So you just, you kind of have to, I wanted to get a feeling before the crowds, especially because like cross country day, we had almost 36,000 people out there. And so I just kind of wanted to get a feel for it, where everything was before all of these people descended upon the horse park. Um, and, but yeah, so Thursday, um, I went for the first day of competition and my boyfriend's mother actually owns, um, is part of a syndicate deep, uh, deep purple eventing. And so Emily Bashir was writing, um, here's to you or Quincy. So I went out there to watch her do dressage. Um, the dressage, um, you know, I, I love watching the dressage of eventing, but it's not like watching dressage, dressage. It's not like watching you guys do it. Um, I think that is kind of a lot more fun <laughs> to watch, you know, watch like the real pros do dressage. But nonetheless, um, you know, it's a, it was a beautiful day, at least on Thursday. Friday they had rain. Um, but so I went out and, you know, um, I'm not sure how many people know about the shopping of Rolex, but truly the shopping of Rolex. I talk about it all the time. Our listeners will know about it. Yes. I mean, it it really, it's like, it's something that I think you should save up all year for. And then it's like, do your shopping at Rolex because there are just um, so many, you know, a, a ton of the vendors just have huge sales. Um, I was super excited because I got a barber coat 50% off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, I asked her um, where, and I, they didn't have any more. I'm just saying. Yeah, She's yeah. Like, it's because it was the last one. I know, and I had to buy it. It was like, I mean, it was just like fate. But the shopping, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if people realize when they come what the shopping is going to be like. Um, and so that's another thing. And, and then, um, of course, Cross Country Day, you know, is the big day that brings the biggest crowds. Um, and it's really, um, uh, you know, the weather was beautiful. And we started off at Jump One this year. And we saw Bug Davidson got us started off. Um, so I was with Glenn and Reese and everybody for that. And you just kind of... Yeah, I mean, you just kind of spend the day wandering uh, the cross country course, drinking mimosas, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that. yeah, and um, and and watching the riders. Um, so that that is a lot of fun. But also, you know, this year we had um, a, a young American, Lauren Kiefer, um, was in second place coming into show jumping. And so that was a lot of fun um, on the last day to be able to watch that because we did a course walk with Richard Jeffrey the morning of show jumping. And he had actually said um, that after the first jog that, or I'm sorry, after the vet inspection that morning um, on Sunday, the judges had asked him to take some of the fences up to the max height because the horses had looked so good jumped clear and William ended up taking first. Um, but he seems like such a nice guy. And and if you watch the videos, um, of his interviews after, you know, he, he, um, he has a lot of respect for American riders, which I think is great. So it really, you know, I, I'm a little, um, <laughs> I have to say I'm a little 
biased about how I spend Rolex because for the two years I've been there, I've also had foundation tint access. <laughs> and so we always get, you know, these amazing um, brunches and they have an open bar and everything like that. Um, <laughs> so it's that's a definitely lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that, that helps. <laughs> yeah. So. So that's nice to have, but you know, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, you can bring your dogs and it's, it's just a great experience. Yes, it is. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for your insight and we will continue to read your blog. I love it. I love what you're doing and we wish you all the best in all your horse sport. And we'd love to check in with you and in six months and see how the hopeful amateur is doing. Yeah, of course, and I'll have to take, uh, come take some lessons with you, Reese, and then we can determine whether I'm hopeless or hopeful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Deal. <laughs> After this commercial break, we're going to talk with Jennifer O'Neill, head trainer at Annabellum Farm here in Lexington, and she is an advanced eventer and an authority on eventing, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what happened at Rolex, but also a wonderful training tip about uh, getting thoroughbreds off the track and retraining them for eventing and dressage. Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well, then be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. You can check them out online at BenefabProducts.com, or you can call them toll-free at 855-957-8378. Well, it is my pleasure this evening to have Jen O'Neill, head trainer at Annabellum Farm and advanced event writer, on the show tonight. Jen, welcome. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. So, Jen, we're just wrapping up Rolex here in Lexington. How did it go over the weekend? Um, I thought that it was a great competition. I thought saw a lot of uh, really excellent riding that was rewarded, um, you know, at the end of the weekend. And I, it was beautiful weather. We don't think we could have asked for better weather. And today it's uh, been raining in Lexington, so I think we were pretty fortunate that this didn't happen. Yes. Um, on us this weekend. So I think it was a great competition, and I think everyone that was out there watching had a great time. I agree. Did Was it record-breaking on cross-country day? No, I'm not sure. I heard rumblings about a record-breaking attendance on Saturday, but I haven't heard the final numbers on that. Me either, but there were a lot of people, and it was gorgeous. It was 70 degrees and sunny and, and, and great. It was a big, big party. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sporting a little bit of a sunburn from the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, but I was fine with that. I didn't care with the little sun. So, Jen, yeah. tell us about the top three. Who were in the top three? Yeah, give us a rundown. Um, we had uh, William Fox Pitt took home another uh, win and another Rolex. He might need to have some longer arms to wear all of his watches at once. Um, <laughs> True. And then <laughs> second place was Lauren Kiefer with um, Veronica. Uh, William won on Bay My Hero, I should point out. And then third place, was was it Buck Davidson that was third? Uh, uh, yes, I believe so. so yes, I, I think so. But I helped with awards. So I was standing down on the ramp, so I kind of <laughs> missed the, the goings on. Um, but uh, I 
definitely brought out the awards for the second place writer. Well, the first place American, which was Lauren Kiefer. And so, she was, and, she's young, isn't she? That was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, she's um, fairly young. I think she's in her mid-20s now. Yeah. Yeah, that was really exciting. The crowd went crazy when she finished, and William yeah, did not beat her by very much, right? She no, didn't, he didn't no. Beat her by it, much. Was, it was a very close competition down to the end. Yeah, it was exciting. I love it. Well, Jen, thank you for the rundown. And now this is really the trainer tip that we brought you on for. And that was to talk wait, wait, about. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can oh, I, sorry. Can I, can I get a question Ooh. then, Reese? You just talk, talk, talk. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry, Philip. Sure. Anyways, I just had a question, you know, not being there and not seeing everything that's going on, you <laughs> Kentuckians. Um, I was just wondering, you know, what separated for you guys the the top rides, maybe the top ten rides or the top five rides from some of the other rides, you know, that were that were placed a little bit further down. What what is the difference when you're talking about the three phases? What does it come down to? Well, I think as um, event riders are getting um, really better at their jobs overall, uh, the dressage is becoming more and more influential. Um, so the top three riders put down obviously very accurate uh, tests. The horses look really relaxed and happy in their work. Um, same for probably everyone that finished in the top 10. Um, there were some movings around um, after cross-country was quite influential. Um, time penalties and such definitely played a part in where everyone finished. Then the show jumping, there were actually, for Rolex, there were quite a few clean rounds, I thought. Um, and I saw some amazingly good show jumping around. The vendors have notoriously been not great show jump riders in the past. And I think. And and that was true. And I thought the horses looked really great overall coming, coming to Sunday for such a long kind of technical course with the cross country seemed to be this year because it was a WEG qualifier. So uh, it seems a lot of corners on cross country. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of big, scary things for people like me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that is huge. But um, it looked like there were some real technical aspects. But overall, I think they really over, everybody came out across country pretty good is what it said. There were just some mistakes, but overall, everyone was OK. So that was always Yeah, everybody good. was really, really happy show jumping. Super. Well, I love it. Well, Philip, if you're OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going right to move now. on to, right. our, to our yeah. trainer tip. So, so Jen, the reason I asked you to come on also to, to just uh, give her a Rolex rundown, but also to talk a little bit about some challenges of taking horses off the track. You are absolutely phenomenal at this and making them and, and, and giving them new jobs um, as event horses. But as a big part of your challenge is retraining these event horses, I mean, these race horses to be dressage horses or, or do the element of dressage. So can right. you talk to, to us about some of the challenges that that poses for you? Okay, so um, some of the challenges with uh, getting horses off the track and, and uh, teaching them to be in more of a dressage mind and uh, going towards eventing, um, I think probably the first and foremost, um, we're basically teaching them a whole new skill set that they've never had any sort of training for. So racehorses are taught to kind of get low and pull themselves on with their front end. Um, it's a very efficient way to cover the ground and, um, they're quite good at it. So when we try to teach them to transfer over to dressage, um, 
we've got to teach them to use themselves from their back end forward and try to get their shoulders to come up a little bit and start pushing from behind. So this is completely different than the way that they ran, especially if they were fast. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. So <clears throat> trying to do that, we um, work on a lot of transitions and uh, settling exercises, trying to make the challenges get a, and a bit more difficult uh, gradually. So kind of don't blow their minds. Um, telling them that everything they've learned before is not right. Um, the other thing is, is when we get to a horse show, the environment becomes uh, kind of a big deal to them. And, kind of, and race and having that environment, they get kind of keyed up. So I like to take my young horses to little schooling shows and try to get them introduced to being in a show environment where it doesn't have to be so stressful, um, that way they can kind of continue on in their their training that you've taught them at home, and when you get them to the show, it's not a complete disaster. Uh, probably some of the other things, we do a lot of um, turn on the forehand and a little bit of baby lateral work as they start to get a little bit further in their progression of training. Um, but the first thing, obviously, is to teach them relaxation and forward. Uh, which hopefully they understand how to go forward if they've been race horses, but you get a lot that um, don't go forward in the way we want them to, or they go forward and they're skittering sideways at the same time. So uh, it's, it's a fun challenge. I really enjoy working with the horses off the track and teaching them new things every day, and it's been a blast. I have two of my own thoroughbreds that were former race horses, one of which only won $500 and the other one won 400 They weren't quite good at their first job, but they are turning out to be pretty good event horses. Now, I got a quick question about um, yeah. evaluating maybe an ex-race horse that's just off the track. Like, Are you looking at horses that might be six months off the track or like right out of racing? And what things are you looking for? You know, What qualities can these horses show you before you even start riding and training them that, that you say, okay, that might be a really good one for, for what I want to do with it? Um, well, we, I've gotten horses straight off the track, and I have gotten some that have had a little bit of letdown time, um, maybe a month or two or six months out. Um, the, for example, the two horses that I own, both of them didn't really have any letdown time when I got them, so... Um, I try to give everybody 30 days off to just kind of relax and chill and learn how to be turned out and um, get some weight put back on them and stuff. The racehorses are very well fed typically, but they're, um, you know, very lean and we kind of want them to transfer over and be a little bit more relaxed and um, let them get a little fat. Uh, so when I go and look at thoroughbreds, um, either coming straight off the track or ones that have had a little bit of letdown time. I do like to find a horse that has uh, a little bit of a tendency to have a, an uphill build. Um, I like to look at their neck set, find one that doesn't have a neck that's set real low on their shoulder, uh, something that ties in nicely. Um, I'm a big sucker for a pretty head with a big, intelligent-looking eye. Um, I have to feel like I want to look at that horse in its stall or standing out in the field um, every day for a while, especially if it's one I'm going to end up keeping. Um, and I prefer to get a horse that has a little bit of a shorter back, a shorter coupled horse, um, and has a little bit of a 
set to its crew, not too straight across the crew, has a, a, a nice tail set. And I definitely encourage everyone that gets horses off the track to have them vetted um, to some degree, whether or not you go in and get a full set of radiographs is, you know, your own prerogatives. But um, mostly the trainers that I've dealt with getting horses off the track are generally fairly honest. Um, when you ask if the horse has been found or if it's had any injuries and they tell you no, it's just no to their knowledge. It doesn't necessarily mean that horse hasn't had an injury before they got it, that it hasn't been bothering it. But um, I want to make sure whatever I get is going to be able to hold up to the job. I don't want to get a horse off the track that maybe would have been fine as a pleasure horse but ends up getting injured, um, trying to teach it to jump or whatever because it has an injury that no one really knew about at the time. Um, so generally I just look for sound horses with oh, big feet is another thing. Definitely try to get horses with good feet, um, that are generally straight movers that have some swing to their walk and, um, look like they are going to have a good attitude and be fairly trainable. Do you have any experience with certain bloodlines? I mean, have you experimented that much with the... With the, do you know do you know the bloodlines for the for the ones that you like? Um, I have some things that I look for that are kind of hard to find. Uh, my older horse is by a stallion that probably no one would even know, but his grandsire was private account who actually produced some really good show jumpers, um, either as a second career or as horses that were kind of purposely bred. Um, and then on the other side, he has Aladar. I think both uh, Private Account and Aladar tended to uh, throw horses that had really pretty necks and beautiful heads and really smart-looking eyes <clears throat> and that are generally fairly good movers, especially for thoroughbreds. Um, my other horse's pedigree is not anything like the older one, but um, I do... If I find a horse that has private account and bloodlines, even if it's a few generations back, I will go look at them. Um, they're few and far between at this point in time, but there are still some of them out there. Um, I have things that I avoid, which I'm sure some people absolutely love horses with pedigree that I don't really like. I do avoid, unfortunately, Stormcat, who is a very nice stallion that produced many, many really good um, racehorses. I tend to find those personality types to be a little bit difficult to work with. Um, some people absolutely love Stormcat, and I'm definitely not discounting anything that he's given to either sport. Um, but for me, I, I don't tend to lean towards those ones for my own personal taste. So um, there are several other bloodlines out there that I'm sure other people enjoy too. So but for me, I look for a private account. I'm just a sucker for those ones, and there just aren't very many of them out there anymore. No, it's true. And Jen, I have to brag on you. You do a really amazing job when it comes to looking at thoroughbreds. And I, how many, you know, even ballpark have you looked at confirmationally over the years? Oh, geez. Uh, probably, you know, we're probably up into the hundreds, I would think. Yeah. No, and I think even that that's so good. Even if I'm just so kind good. of window shopping and not looking for anyone particular, but... Um, I definitely like to kind of go and look and browse and I have friends that are uh trainers or exercise riders and I'll 
maybe go and look at stuff, some stuff that they've told me about and, um, yeah, I mean, you do an amazing job, and I think that that's the thing is you've really trained your eye to look at these horses because there you know, there are a lot of horses coming off the track in Kentucky, and there's tracks in every in every state, really. So, I mean, there's there are horses out there, um, and that's why I think it's so excellent. You know, that you're able to take them and, and retrain them for another discipline is amazing, and um, but that's why I ask because you you look at a lot of horses and you're very skilled and you know exactly what you're looking at. So that's one of the things I wanted to kind of call to attention to our listeners that you know when you look at horses, if it's a warm blood or or even a you know just any breed, uh, kind of having the understanding or having someone like yourself that's an expert at that breed go with you is is a really important thing. So. Um, but Jen, thank you so much for your time this evening. Can you tell us how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions? Um, we have a website uh, for the farm, which is www.antebellumfarm.com. Um, there's a link to my email address on there, uh, or you can email me at uh, live the number two event at aol.com. So I am ready. We have some listener love on, on the Facebook page. Philip, can you give us what the question is? Well, Lori here on the uh, wrote a little, a quick, a quick little note to us, and hopefully we can help her out with the question. She says, "I would love a checklist for buying a horse, especially for the new dressage rider uh, wanting to begin competing." Love the show. Listen to every any everyone. Thanks very much. So Reese, okay, I, I know we've talked about it a little bit before. Uh, maybe you could just bring it down, you know, just the salient points, I guess, to to, to buying a horse for for an amateur relatively new to the sport, I think. Sure. Um, so, so, again, buying a horse is a process, and that's what I tell all my students. You know, it's it's kind of like you need to go on several first dates before you find your husband, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or wife. In, in Philip's case, um, it depend. You know, it it it's a process. It's not. It's I mean, maybe process. your first date with your it, it will work, but really at the end of the day, it's a process. And and I think you need to look at it that way. And you also need to spend a lot of time on this process. So what I encourage my riders to do when we're looking for a horse. If it's a first-time buyer or, or or we're looking to upgrade a horse or whatever we're doing, um, first of all, I like to line out exactly what we're looking for. What is the perfect horse that we can find? And I, I like to narrow it down to mare or gelding or stallion, level of training, color, if that's important to someone, uh, and really line it up. What's the perfect horse? And then I always tell my students, okay, you know, we have this great tool, the internet, I want you to go and I want you to look on the online and I want you to look at what are the average prices for the horse that you want. I think that that's a really good tool. And I want you to look at every horse you can find and look at every video. And as you do that, then I want you to come back to me and say what you like, what you don't like, what, you know, where do you want to go with this? Um, so that is another tool that I do. You know, I think that that's really important. And then I line up uh, sort of what my involvement is, you know, if somebody wants to involve a trainer, which I always recommend, you know, I, I know people say, oh, you know, trainers, this trainers, that, but at the end of the day, if you have the right trainer that you're going to work with, um, that person should be involved with the horse. Um, 
you know, Please, you should line Lisa, up. Can I, can I ask? Sure. Can I ask you a question? A little bit about the financial sure. side of of sure. the of the process. Um, you, as a professional and a trainer, what is your what's your fee, and how is that structured? And 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 um, I know some sellers. You know, what are the situations that you've come across with 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 the fees? Yeah. No. I mean, I think that that's a really good question, Philip. And and I do ten percent. I don't know what you do. Uh, that's my standard fee is a ten percent commission on the horse that we're buying. And you have to understand that I think it's like a real estate agent. You know, I'm there to protect. Um, you know, to protect you as the as the buyer, um, you're getting all of my knowledge and all of my skill, hopefully, in buying horses. Um, but you're also getting I'm I'm then invested in the horse. You know, I do know some people will go off and and buy without their trainer, um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, uh, if the trainer doesn't like the horse or the person that you're working with doesn't like the horse, that becomes a potential issue. So, Philip, what do you what do you do there? Um, actually, I just charge my hourly charge, and I know in some situations, like you know, there's travel time, and and in some situations, it has been that ten percent would have been less, and sometimes it's a uh, that that the ten percent would have been a little bit more. So, um, you know, up front, it seems like it's going to save you a little bit of money, but it, it really doesn't. I just, you know. Yeah. No, I think you have to work um, it out yeah, with your I mean, professional. Trainers do different things. I know that. Yeah. Um, in some situations, this is what I really don't like in some situations is that the the trainer is paid by the seller of the horse. I think that's right. pretty close to illegal. I know you don't do that. That's why I, I kind of knew what you did, and, and that's why I just kind of approached this. Yeah. So I no, think I it's think very it's important good. if you're going out to buy a horse and mm-hmm. you've got a situation, figure it out with your trainer what you're comfortable with, right. uh, what their fee is, that you got to build it into your price, Yep. And, and that I would say try and stay and also away the- from... Oh, I'll get paid by the seller of the horse. Don't you don't worry about my fee. That kind of situation. Yeah, it's it's kind of sketchy. Yeah, it it yeah. is. And in but this is a conversation you need to talk to your professional about. Yeah, and again, whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, there's whatever you're there's different ways to look at it, different perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. I know that when you talked about real estate a little bit, it's important that the real estate agent, you know, to do with the laws and stuff in our country that that it's paid by the the um, yeah. the buyer pays the fee yeah. and stuff i think you get into less trouble that way agreed um, i think i think everything just needs to be on the table everybody yeah, needs just to everybody open also with yeah. whoever you're buying the horse from mm-hmm. you know make sure everybody knows who's getting paid what by whom and how much that kind of situation because then you get into a lot less problems later on down the road so hopefully uh exactly. yeah everything can be really open as far as the fees and stuff because i know it gets complicated yeah. and and you can see in the news there's a couple of there's a couple of cases in the court uh, over big price horses that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it can get messy. So it can. So that's a that's a really good point. And I, and then you also need to build in the vet the vet costs. You need yeah. to talk to your veterinarian about how much you're going to do, like what how far you want to go with the vetting, and what what the cost of that is. All these things got to be built in before you ever even yep. look at a horse. You got to, mm. you got to know. You got to know. So th- you may want to buy a horse for twenty thousand dollars, but then you need to, you know, you need to add in if if you go with a professional, you know, or are you going to go? If not, that's fine. Uh, what is the veterinary cost? You don't have to do a vetting, kind of like you don't have to take a trainer. Uh, but these are all sort of built-in sort of insurance uh, that you are buying the correct horse for yourself and your level, your skill level. Taxes. Um, Taxes. Well, that's a big thing over here. Shipping. Taxes, shipping. 
Lots you know, to think a, about that. It insurance. Won't be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it won't be immediately obvious to you. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, I try to have this conversation with my students. I started to sit down and I go through all of this um, because I think it's important. And, and I, I mean, we sit, at, I have a contract, so we sit down and put everything in, uh, in writing. So, again, some professionals don't do that, and that's up to your comfort level. Um, so I think that that's part of it. So that's just even before we go Before even, even we're looking the at horse. Well, before even a yeah. specific horse is in the, is in the picture, yeah. Right. And then you've got to go to look at the horse. And and I love, I like to buy horses much better than selling because <laughs> I think it's a puzzle. You know, I think it's like, okay, is this horse going to work? And, you know, is it going to fit in your program? And has the horse shown? What is the price of the horse? You know, does it have a veterinary issue that I need to talk to, you know, our vet with? The other thing is as a buyer of a horse, you should talk directly to the vet, not the trainer. That's a big thing for me. I have yeah. my my clients, and then I talk, I mean, the vet has to talk to me, but they also have to talk to directly to the trainer or in an ideal world, we're all talking together. I think yeah. communication is a yeah, big like deal here. Yeah. yeah. Communication is a big deal. Uh, you, you need not, to know exactly. Yeah, so getting a mixed message or that you completely understand what the vet is saying in the, in the pre-purchase. Mm-hmm. And you may need to bring your farrier in. I mean, it's, it's all <laughs> a team effort. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, you're probably buying a horse that you want to keep for a long time. So uh, all these things are important to talk about. So uh, that is just the start of the checklist. I mean, you and I, Philip, we could talk about this for days, but for hours, yeah, and, for and hours, the, and we and do. The I think you know, just you know, you had your perfect uh, checklist for the perfect horse. Just remember, there is not the perfect not, horse out there. Never. Right. So, I mean, we like to have the checklist, but you're going to be outside that checklist for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, for and sure. And budget. Yep, and, and the budget, budget. I mean, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're like, <laughs> oh. And you know, it's interesting. I have I have a client looking in sort of a lower price range. Um, and that's a difficult price range because and I told her the more we've looked at horses, the more I've said if you can add $5,000 to your price range or even $3,000, it's going to make a big difference in the horses that we're looking at. So sometimes, yeah. you know, just a little more money kind of pushes you over, over, you know, like for example, a $10,000 horse to a $15,000 horse to a $20,000. Yeah, those are, those are some pretty big jumps. Yeah. And they're diff- big jumps in quality of horses. And yeah. it doesn't mean you can't find sometimes horses not in that price range. But if you do your research and you look online and you look at why is that a $10,000 horse versus why is that a $20,000 horse, um, you know, it, and that's where your, your trainer comes in because they'll be able to explain it or should take the time to explain it to you. Why do I need a little bit more money to find what you need? Um, and don't rush into it. But I will say that with that statement, when you find the right horse, you have to pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah. you know, I have, I yeah, have several students. Oh, I want to see. 20 oh. horses after the this one oh. that I liked. Well, sometimes they don't that's wait the horse, around. That's the horse, man. You just yeah. got to, you know, get a good feeling. Go with your gut. That's the other thing mm-hmm. that we, we've talked about before. You know, you got to yeah. have a really good gut feeling. You got to yeah. start off in a positive way. Um, yeah. You know, I, I the other thing I like to, you know, just, I know, like you said, we could talk for days about it. I say Buy a little bit more, you know, spend a little bit more money to buy the horse that you want rather than to say, I'm going to spend this amount and you're going to help me train it because uh, everyone knows, you know, like the training process is not a straight line and something could happen or, you know, like thinking this is going to be the horse that I want three or four years down the road. That 
that that works yeah. sometimes but there's no guarantees there right and and if you say i, I could spend ten thousand for instance ten thousand dollars more up front here and boom i got the horse i'm ready to ride it i'm ready to show it it's it's there it's right i would much prefer to to go that route than to say Agreed. maybe this is going to be the horse but it's it's tough to find like i said with level of training and and all that yeah. stuff. It's such a long process. It's so hard. So, but I agree with you. Get the max amount of training that you can afford. Yeah, <laughs> you know that because your training costs they add up so so quickly. Um, and and I sometimes hear people say, "Oh, I'm gonna go younger um, because I'll learn with my horse and I'll grow with my horse." Uh, I yes. always stop them right there and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, young horses are are if you want the journey and you know what that journey is yeah it could take a, a couple a more years journey. than what you expected it can oh or they can get hurt road, or you know. oh yeah saying, so. okay i want a horse i want to show it this year i want something ready to go that's you want it, you want it to go and, and that's the other it, you thing you want to eliminate the unknowns as much as possible i think yep yeah exactly so. and that's that's another great point you know the more a horse has been out the better off you are you know, like yeah. it, you need a horse that's been off the property. Out, it's a known yeah. quantity. Yeah. Yep. Of you, course, you you're know. gonna. Of course, that's that's value. You're gonna you're gonna pay for it, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it's hard to get a horse off the farm for the first time. Philip and I do it. Man, I cringe yeah. when I have to get that horse on the trailer for the yeah, first time. You're like, well, yeah, you'd love to ride that horse, but it's going to take three, four more outings. You know, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, it so can be very disappointing. Yeah. You know? So max amount of training, the soundest you can get. However, if there's issues, talk to your veterinarian. You know, there's no guarantee. Yeah. Maybe you're going um, a little bit older than what you first thought. Mm-hmm. That could be the yeah. case. And that, and, that can and, be okay too, you know. Yeah, it's, absolutely. If it's got a proven record, sometimes it can go well and, and go with your gut. So those are kind of some things that I really... Yeah, I mean, if anybody has any more, like a more specific question, mm-hmm. that would be great because sometimes we just ramble on about maybe it's not, not getting to the point yeah. of your question and, <laughs> and we just get going and, you know, we're like, so... Exactly. So we love these questions. Send them in. We hope that helps. Uh, again, specific, more specific on buying horses. Let us know. We'll go. We'll cover it again. So uh, because it is, it's a very, very hard thing to do and and find the right ones. So, uh, but we wish you luck on your journey. Um, and uh, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on another great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>